Hey guys, this is Shreyas. Hey guys, I'm Sudeep. And I am Shlok. We are the hosts of This Week in Tech, a series where we talk about the latest tech happenings and provide our thoughts regarding the same. So, without any further ado, let us start with This Week in Tech. Back to the podcast, everyone. Today, we are back with another episode of This Week in Tech. And we're joined with our third host, Shreyas, or Tech That Out. Could you give a brief introduction about yourself, Shreyas? All right. Thank you, Shlok. So my name is Shreyas, and I've been into tech since I can remember as a child. Recently, I started my YouTube channel because I thought it's good to put out whatever I know and maybe help people out or let them know about what interests me. So that's about it. Um, well, the only thing is that I... Uh, have a bad habit of getting into too much of details, which might not interest everyone. But for whoever it helps, that's it. Yeah. Additionally, uh, you get you'll get to see the links of Shreyas and Sudeep's channel. If you guys listen to the last episode, Sudeep started the first pilot episode with me, so you guys know him probably. So without any further ado, let's start with this week in tech. And the first news is. Motorola Razr has launched. Basically, the 5G version of the Motorola Razr with some new improvements has launched. I'll just give a brief refresher of what has changed. The cameras have been slightly tuned up to a primary sensor get going to a 48 megapixel sensor and a 20 megapixel selfie sensor. That has been aided with a new hinge mechanism, which is uh, with lesser gaps so that the gaps will not open up too much and you won't get those dust particles and all in. And the third new thing is the fact that the device now has the new Snapdragon 765G chip, which is the same that is found on the Nord. So what are your thoughts, Sudeep? Mm, Yeah, great second version. I mean, there was a lot of flaws with the first one. I don't really have any comments on this, like per se, but I really feel that they've corrected whatever they did wrong on the first Razer. And that's pretty great because the cameras... We can't expect the camera quality from this one because, you know, the thickness is really thin. But other than that, whatever mistakes they made, including the fingerprint scanner, it's now in the same place where the logo was. Everything is better now. So I guess it's a good second version of the phone. That's all I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, I forgot to mention that the most interesting fact with this is the fact that they have undercut the Z Flip 5G variant. And it's around $100 cheaper. So I forgot. Yes, what are your thoughts on the same? So uh, let's begin uh, with the thing you just mentioned here. Z Flip, uh, you said mentioned that the Z Flip was undercut by $100. True. But yeah. anybody who's into tech, as you know, especially in India, definitely would look at the hardware provided over there. So clearly mm-hmm. over there, you have a glass body, you have wireless charging, you have the 865 this time or 865 plus, I'm not really sure about that. But anyway, you have the latest Snapdragon, uh, flagship Snapdragon, and the cameras are better. So did they really, like, people will consider this $100 gap. Anybody going for a $1,300 phone will not go for a $1,400 phone. Let's see, I feel the only factor will be the good customization of Android on it, because I saw the cover display and how it is being used even more. It came in with the Android 10 update, but right now it looks really mature as well. And a few tweaks here and there. One thing which I like is, which at least I saw, um, the weight. So Z Flip being glass, it's a bit heavier. Although the Moto is you know lighter, it feels great and it's sleeker. So maybe that's... That's the only difference I see personally. Yeah, but uh, this is a question to both of you. Given the choice, like consider you have the money to spend on either. This is rather a different question, whereas basically the Z Flip 5G costs $1,500. Meanwhile, the Motorola Razr 5G costs $1,400. And the, if I'm not wrong, the normal Z Flip costs $1,380. So there's a... $20 gap between the 5G Razer and the 4G Z Flip. So which one would you guys choose? Mm, I mean, just like she has told, uh, there's a lot more you get on that just for that 100 gap mark. 
So if I have the money for it, I would obviously just spend my money on the Samsung, not the Razer, obviously. So nostalgia does not play a part for you? I don't think so. Like, I mean, I'm spending money on it. So just like shares told, there's more value into that just with that hundred rupees, sorry, hundred dollars of difference you have in it. So I'd really pick up the Samsung one. So yeah. Yeah. So yes, same thoughts. Uh, similar, but as you mentioned that if Nostalgia plays a part or not, I feel we were too young to have, we might have seen with other people, but I think we were too young to have experienced the motor razor ourselves because it was a very costly phone at the time as well. So, yeah. yeah. So I feel our generation <laughs> will definitely uh, inclined, get inclined towards the Z Flip. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the next thing, which is uh, as of the day we're recording the episode, uh, this will go live in a few days, but as of the day we're recording, literally an hour, sorry, half an hour ago, Shreyas dropped a video on his Oxygen OS 11 impressions. And Sudeep will, I think he'll do a video on the Android 11 impressions. Um, I am kind of trying to make one, but I'm not sure if I will. Let's see. Yeah. So Shreyas, first of all, I watched the video, it's quite good. And more importantly, I mean, you explained it like properly in a 20 minute video, but could you just explain in brief what are your thoughts on Oxygen OS 11? So I feel like most people are kind of misinterpreting this update. Like I'm talking in terms of uh, Android update, it's not Oxygen 11 in particular because we generally associate changes with only the visual changes in Android. So Android being mature has kind of stabilized that way. Things work pretty well as they are. Now, the incremental upgrades, which you may call, are pretty much significant in my opinion. And that is a very good update. So I feel like there was a lot added in and it's gonna be beneficial. Few things are obviously adopted from another mature operating system, iOS. And that's a good thing. Like whatever you can, if we get the best of every world possible, then that's what we want, right? So I feel like it's not a small update to be very honest, because I found out a lot of small things which are gonna add up and help in the experience. So that's my opinion on it. Yeah, but just a side question. What did you prefer? Like I saw in the video, you compared Oxygen OS 11 with Oxygen OS 10. And to you, at least visually, because most people, they don't go that intricately into the UI, right? But just as a thought, which do you, do you prefer? Do you think that this update was a good one or it was unnecessary? Uh, no, I completely feel that was a good update. Uh, the complaints I have is because understand from where I am coming from. So if you ask any Oxygen OS user, to be very honest, I have been on Oxygen OS since the OnePlus 3, which was launched on Android 6, if I'm correct. So since yeah, then, I, think so. I knew what true dark mode was, at least in the UI elements, be it the menu, be it the settings, be it the clock widgets, etc. So if you ask that person, how is the added gray color in the whole UI, they will most probably say, I don't like it. And that's what I mentioned in my video as well, because black is there, but a lot of gray cropped in, which is not true dark mode as Oxygen OS users are spoiled by. So that's about it. The rest of the visual set of things you were saying, I feel it's a good move because there is another purpose to this update in my opinion, but I'll cover that later if asked. But I feel like if you see usability wise, it's a very good thing. Everything, OnePlus 8 Pro is a huge phone and I don't see the phones getting smaller anytime soon unless tech updates. So in that way, I feel like one-handed use is getting, you know, helped by this to a large extent. And I am, I am pro <laughs> and Oxygen OS 11. Hmm. Um, just before we move on to the Android 11 side, another small doubt is, first of all, you don't believe that Oxygen OS is totally trying to replicate One UI, right? No, I'm completely against that because if you see One UI is, One UI is basically a compilation of features which Samsung wants you to enjoy. So obviously Oxygen OS, people believe that Oxygen OS is a very light software 
I disagree mm-hmm. to that as well because Oxygen OS has its own set of features as well, like One UI. It's just very different, and some are obviously same as Android. The only problem over here is that Samsung fails to optimize their software and hardware, where OnePlus just nails it. So you don't feel the weight of the skin at any point. The only thing where people were like stock Android, stock, stock Android, it was only because of the visuals. The icons, the wallpapers, the UI elements were mostly like stock Android. That was the only thing. But if you see Oxygen OS as a skin, it had its own identity and it's going more that direction. So Pro OS 11, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Moving on, Sudeep, how has your experience with stock Android 11 been? For those unaware, Sudeep uses a Pixel 2 XL and he's been on the beta for around a day or two. Yeah, so I think for over here in stock Android, I don't think there's no any major changes. I put a tweet out saying that it's basically just a small refresher. It has those extra features which you would have wanted since 10, like those small extra features and that's what Android 11 is all about. I don't really think there's any phenomenal visual changes like what Oxygen OS 11 has, like she has told, and the backlash and all of that, there's nothing with this. It's just simple. You get some extra features like, you know, the screen recording and the small visual changes, like, you know, the music control is now within the toggles and it's not as a notification again, which expands your overall notification shade area. So there's just small changes. I didn't really feel any major difference while I'm even using it. So I don't really think this is a big overhaul, but it's much more cleaner, simple, and way better than what it was. I mean, I've been using the Pixel for a lot of time now, and Android in that particular phone has been everything about being smooth. I don't know about other Android One devices or anything. In that particular phone, it's always been about being smooth. and it's still the same and it's become even better with Android 11, I feel. That's it. And I didn't really find any bugs given that this is the last final update, I guess, for Android 11. Yeah. Moving on to another foldable. I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but again, as of the day we're recording, around an hour ago, not an hour ago, I think two, three hours ago, the embargo for the Surface Duo dropped. And what are your thoughts on the UI? Because we covered the whole hardware thing last week, Sudeep. But yeah. <laughs> my main question to this is towards Shreyas. As in, what were his thoughts regarding the UI of the Microsoft Surface 2? Okay, I'll be very honest. So I have not been active right now. So I did not uh, look into the UI or did not have the chance to look through it, to be very honest. I have only seen the developer previews and what was shown by Microsoft themselves. Um, I feel it's okay. We, uh, if you know, there is a Microsoft launcher on the Play Store by Microsoft. They kind of replicated it. And I feel it's going to be kind of similar to how the foldables or the tablets of Samsung are, because they Mm. say they have integrated certain features, certain apps to work on that form factor. But the fact of the matter remains that they do only do it for their own native apps or with their partners. Like Samsung does it yeah. for the Microsoft apps and their own apps in the flex mode. Similarly, I feel that is going to be a similar story in the Surface Duo case as well. But let's see, too early to judge. There are some bugs I heard. But uh, yeah, I can comment better once I go through it myself. Yeah, so the reviewers are quite upset. Like they're saying, most of them are like, the software is half-baked, the software is half-baked. But uh, they're very happy with, uh, let me tell you, one of the best things that I found about this is, like they implemented the dual-use display, right? Means you can uh, view your content in two displays. And the biggest thing is they, means adjusted their own suite of apps like the Microsoft Word or Excel to work on those two displays simultaneously. And it's so cool. Like, this is interesting. Yeah, true. So deep, any thoughts? I mean, I saw the reviews and stuff. I mean, it Mm. was just like, as you said, Haruga was free. So I watched it and I feel the same. The software is really half-baked. But as I told you last time, I said that the software is just going to be, you know, 
a tweaked version of Android, and that's what is basically is. The icons have been changed to be square everywhere, including the notification shade and everywhere else. So basically, they've tried to just change up Android a little bit and make it look more squarish and stuff in the, at least the visual level. And I mean, while they were using it itself, I found it to be like really, you know, uh, not that intuitive. It doesn't feel like it's been perfected yet, but still like it's the first generation of the Surface Duo. So again, as I told in the last podcast, I don't really think that we can complain about any first version of any foldable or a new technology as of right now. So yeah, I think it's good. The hardware, as I told you, I'm really, really impressed. Just like how everybody is. Software side, I'm I'm skeptical. It's not that great, to be honest. Yeah. Coming to something that will probably excite Shreyas. For those unaware, Shreyas uses the Sony WH-1000XM3s. And on September of 18th, the brand is launching the Sony WH-1000XM4s. And the biggest new update that I found is dual device support. As in, you can simultaneously listen to songs or whatever you're listening to on two devices. Thoughts, Shreyas? So yeah, this is one feature that I have really, really missed. And people might feel it's one feature, but I feel it's one very crucial feature. So I am, if possible, I get a good deal. I am planning to upgrade because it's very necessary in my opinion. I get away with things because I have an NFC phone and thankfully the headphones have NFC as well. So that pairing is easy. But when I have to switch out to my PC, tablet or any other device, it's kind of a pain because you have to switch off, switch on, go to pairing mode, then pair and the same process over and over again. So it's kind of tedious. And just to... Uh, mention what you said about dual device support. It's like an activity, if it is started by the second device, the first device pauses, whatever it is, and the second device plays. And when the second device, if the first device acts up, then the second device stops and the first device plays now. So that's kind of what dual activity is. So perfect scenario would be if I work on a PC and I get a call, I can just pick up the call and my headphones will pick up the call uh, signal and not my audio signal from my PC. That's something I feel is really crucial and I have heavily really missed on this particular headset. So hopefully we may see a video on this by Shreyas. Yes, uh, hopefully, but I don't think it's a smart investment especially at this point for me because I'm heavily invested right now, to be honest. But let's see, because I have the Bose 700s to compare the XM3s with. So that video might be coming whenever I get the time. Okay. Then moving on this week, something super funny happened, at least in my opinion. John Prosser is a leakster who is a bit known to be kind of like a grown-up kid, if I may say so. No offense to him, though, but I mean, he gets into tussles and fights on Twitter and stuff. And basically, he leaked that Apple will be launching the iPad Air and the new Apple Watch on in a three-hour span on the day when he said so. And basically, what Apple did is they didn't do anything and they launched the... They showed off a trailer. Not even a trailer. They just give us an invite of an event that they're doing on September 15th. So thoughts on that, guys? Mm. (laughs) I mean, I tweeted about this. I really just went ahead and tweeted about this, about John Prosser being like that. I mean, I think he's really taking it personal to start with him and come to the news, but with him, I think he's just taking it too personal. Even that it's just a leak, he shouldn't be taking it like this much into himself he can just chill out even if it's wrong his leak leak is wrong but when he goes ahead to defame another leakster who actually did it or like you know gave the correct news that today you'll get only the dates or something he just can be like quiet you know it's not at all a big deal but apart from that the thing about the event i'm excited i'm really really excited about it so yeah let's see what happens on the 15th but i guess from the invite what everybody could decode and what i could also see that was quite evident was that time flies and people are saying that time refers to 
you know the Apple Watch Series Six and flies refers to the iPad Air, which might be a new addition to the iPad Series. That might just end it right there, or they might just go ahead and of products from Apple. So they just let's see how everything goes. Yeah, just a point I'd like to add over here. If you guys are unaware, like not talking to you guys, like mostly the audience. Basically, the thing is that Apple planned to launch the iPhone in September, but the thing is they've done some tweaking to the design this time. And for those unaware, like around a month ago, somebody leaked this news, and most probably it was legit that while doing a like check, like the brands do checks related to their device, right? Like. they have those durability checks and in one of the durability checks the device cracked under high pressure so basically there's some news that the devices may take up to the last week of december to ship completely means but ship completely i mean by the people who make the devices so the iphone may be delayed thoughts on that shreyas yeah i feel like even if we put that factor aside i kind of believed that the iphone would be delayed because they're going through a huge overhaul in terms of manufacturing and the crisis due to the pandemic etc has really hit all companies and apple is no exception to it so they were quite dependent on the you know vietnamese manufacturing units and anyway china is under strain due to us so i kind of predicted it because of that reason now let's see uh, I still believe that, as you mentioned, iPhones will take time. It will be at least November or December. And as per you know, popular thoughts, I I believe this event is going to be iPad and uh, Apple Watch only, or maybe some few accessories. Also, understand why Apple can afford to do two three events is because they really spend close to nothing as compared to a real. you know uh what do i say real event like with people invite inviting people flying them over etc etc true true so they can afford to do it yeah, even true. if the iphone is delayed they can leave the 15 september event at a cliffhanger and make people wait <laughs> yeah true so we're going to have to wait till september 15 to know but i'm really excited for this event man like there's report that there's going to be like a smaller home pod and some other accessories so it's just going to be fun Yeah, like I told you, Apple is like unpredictable. That's how I see them in terms of events. You can't really judge what they're gonna do. Yeah. Moving on, this is something that I want exclusively Sudeep to talk about. Sudeep will do a rantro. I am hoping he does a rantro because Redmi is just on a fire thing, like kind of thing. Like they just launched the <laughs> Redmi Nine A last week, and Sudeep talked about. And now they're launching. Yeah, and I told you that's going to be another phone. Yeah, another phone in like weeks, and here we have it. It's the nine i, right? Yes. And yeah. it's basically going to be a rebranded nine a with like higher storage. And just four GB of RAM, right? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, my rant in the last podcast was also not like entirely that they shouldn't do it. But I was like, don't do it like in different models. That's really confusing. That's what I've said in the last podcast. Just maybe release it as different versions of the same model. Why would I need an entirely new name like a nine i just because you're giving nine i with like four GB of RAM? That doesn't make any sense to me. You're just crowding the space with more names and more you know specifications or everything to keep in mind with, and it just really gets confusing for the consumer. I feel that's it. But as I told you in the last podcast, from the business forefront or from their forefront, this might all seem right. And I guess I also told you this: like, if you see right now, right from twenty k, nineteen, eighteen, seventeen to with every single value till six k, you have Xiaomi phones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Literally, a model for every thousand uh, k, you can just list out till twenty. You literally have their phones. So wherever you stop, whichever is your budget. i think they succeeded in what they wanted they just wanted uh, their phones to be packed in the price you will be considering your smartphone for and they have achieved it like from the 99 now to the note 9 pro max they have everything in the 9 series itself so it's good but as i told you that i ran in the last podcast was all about just crowding too much with the models and the specifications yeah 
talking about rants i've got a two part topic but first of all let's get over with the good stuff and then go back to the rant stuff if you guys noticed poco launched a new device which is the poco x3 and it's basically overkill in comparison to the poco x2 true any thoughts on that mm i mean mm, it hasn't launched here yeah i just keep simple it, it hasn't launched here but it launched uh, like in uh, many other places especially in europe and stuff and one thing i noticed was that today a video was released by mr who's the boss yep i went to thinking it actually praised the x3 no but he actually said the exact same thing i was thinking about it because i went through their whole thing their website and stuff and i literally noticed the same thing he did uh there were complaints over it reddit that there was a lot of ads in this phone that they noticed and also he said the same thing so it was like finally confirmative that there's actually there's that but other than that too the overall pricing they have said like 199 pounds i guess yeah or euros i'm not sure something about. like that but like basically that's, 20 yeah, yeah like it's basically a gimmick over there they're just trying to just show that they can do this but you can watch mr osubas the video he explains how the x3 is a good, great phone but the overall stuff about it is kind of shady like what they're do, doing with it but yeah, it's a great phone superb specifications i can't even complain it's super great if it comes to india i'm not sure where they would price it because um if you have seen twitter and everywhere else people are complaining about how the a51 which is actually a great phone i feel is overpriced it seems so I don't really know how to react to that, and same thing applies to this. I don't know if it comes to India or like, it's a great phone, but when it comes to India, everything might change. Yeah. Any thoughts on this, Reyes? See, I feel like these phones and the pricings around these are heavily dependent on the ad business. So, if people understand that yeah. business very well, it will be quite, uh, you know, clear why these are priced that way. i mean the more volume these phones sell the more ads they sell as well so the price bringing down the price yeah. will increase their volume of sales and it will just multiply for the company so as sudeep mentioned yeah. that ads are present and i believe for that hardware if you're giving it there is no way you can do it apart from taking a loss so yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i have a story and i'm planning to make a video on this actually about the xiaomi business mm-hmm. model how they succeeded and why they came out to other countries so maybe look out for that yeah <laughs> i'd yeah. be excited to watch that yep moving on to the <laughs> second part of this question this is basically i want to know the perspective of shreyas because he looks at it like a business perspective and the thing is that for those unaware poco has been on a weird journey in india at least First of all they launched the Poco F1 which was revolutionary as some may say even I feel so then they came back like after a one and a half year hiatus with the Poco X2 post which they launched two devices that are basically rebranded Redmi phones which is the Redmi 9 uh, sorry the Redmi 9 Prime and the Redmi uh, Note 9 Pro both uh, remodeled after Poco devices and there are reports that they'll continue to do so with some like budget devices as well so shreyas uh, basic thing is that like poco split from redmi as in xiaomi this year and they said that we are a different brand now do you think that uh, this is commercially good like basically taking the other company's device and just adding your logo to it um okay so <laughs> so understand this uh, i feel like this comes really from the roots of the company so xiaomi being a very chinese oriented company to be honest uh, chinese have a very popular belief of you know doing well by copying the best so even their the education system is that way they literally like drawing they just copy the brush strokes of you know masterpieces they read out loud english or any other language and learn it that way so this is kind of that model i feel over here so that's my perspective on it but from the business front if you see it's very easy so because i feel 
understand the market right now india is kind of still growing in terms of smartphone sales so what happens with certain parts like let's say they source their chipsets or their processors from let's say mediatek or uh, qualcomm there must be some surplus which do not happen due to less or less predicted sales that's why i see so many rebranded phones nowadays samsung does the same thing almost every company like realme also is doing the same thing whatever surplus you have if you say that poco today is an independent brand i feel that poco is just taking the surplus at a lower price and giving you another device so you yeah. might see it that way as well yeah. so these are two my yeah. uh, my two perspectives on the thing going on yeah moving on to something that will basically excite shreyas we are going to be talking about consoles today the xbox series s and series x videos are out but for those unaware the xbox series s is the basic version of the xbox consoles and the xbox series x is the bigger one internally the main cpu is same and they are priced at 35000 in india for the xbox series s and 50k in india for the xbox series x while in the outer markets it's priced at 299 and 499 dollars respectively Yes, let's hear like a CPU-based uh, thought, something like that. So I feel like the if you go uh, about comparing consoles in terms of hardware, it's it's totally the wrong approach in my case, uh, in my opinion, because consoles hardware do not matter that much, and we have seen it over and over again. Especially this time, we see uh, history being made in a way because. the console hardware for the first time in the history of these two especially consoles let's say uh, ps and xbox these are being launched on the consoles first be it rdna2 the graphics processor and the cpus as well from uh, amd and this is the first time that's happening so i expected a price hike because of that but i feel like there AMD is winning both ways. So even if Xbox sells well or PlayStation sells well, I feel like AMD is winning, so they can you know subsidize the price and sell it to both of the companies, and that's why they can keep the price down. Number one, and number two, let's make it clear to everyone, and especially I would like people to know that you do not pay for consoles by buying the hardware. You pay for the consoles by taking the services, especially now that. game streaming is a whole new thing and buying those games so that's how the companies yeah. actually earn their money out of consoles even though you feel that the hardware is too good for the price also another thing that as i said that uh, hardware is not that necessary why be extremely well optimized for these specific hardware you do not have skews of you know 10 different skews of xbox you just have two you have just you know one or probably two in the future for playstation so developers can you know get every bit of performance out of that hardware which does not happen in the pc or as you see in the android as well you see uh, performance differences and that's why iphones work very well across the board no matter what hardware they run so it's kind of the same story about hardware and consoles as well yeah look so moving on the second part of this is like what are your thoughts on the game support because some people are complaining like xbox will give you all the hardware but internally the game support is quite poor in terms of the xbox side when compared to playstation mm-hmm. so uh, here it, it's a bit historic uh, stuff actually like if you see about hardcore gamers they love a certain number of titles like for xbox i know people who are ready to buy the xbox x like series x right now i know so many people who are just ready to buy it because halo is xbox exclusive and now they are very upset because mm. halo got delayed uh, due to some issues but that is the thing so i feel like the console purchases are basically dependent on the titles you want to play you see which one has the exclusives others if they launch on both platforms good for you but i feel the exclusives is what is going to make you decide which hardware to go for yeah so basically in terms of 
I'm just taking this as your perspective because we know what like Xbox can offer, right? Because the main titles that they have that can pull people towards them is uh, Halo Infinite and they have the Forza Horizon series. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Forza games. So, as someone who is more like you do a bit of gaming, right? Yeah. So, as someone who is like who doesn't want to spend a lot, means you won't be changing your console every three years. Like a major console update takes like five to seven years. So, which would you choose out of the Xbox and the PS Five, Xbox Series X and the PS Five? I would, <laughs> to be very honest, I would not choose consoles as a <laughs> as a whole. But yeah, if you ask wow. me which one uh, specifically. uh one thing will actually drive me towards the xbox is obviously games but that also is secondary because there are ways you can get get ps now on xbox as well although you'll be paying sony for it but you can play a few games or titles on your xbox as well uh but the controller i absolutely love the xbox controllers their ergonomics are unbelievable to me because that is one skew of hardware which is perfect for everyone i know and who uses it nobody complained about the xbox controller and uh, i don't know like all the ps controllers i just can't get to feel the same way for it so if i'm playing and okay. keeping one piece of hardware for 7 years this really matters to me because that's the primary input you have so xbox for the controller yeah. is nothing else Okay, moving on. Something that recently broke, like the day we're recording this, this is like hot news as of now. Like everybody is going crazy regarding this. Huawei just announced that basically, if you are unaware, Huawei last year got a bit of an issue with the US stuff, and basically they were like, means they were sent out from Google, if I may say so, bad language, but still, basically they removed Android support and like they lost the Play Store apps and stuff. and now huawei announces that from next year they'll use their harmony os so the basic thing with both of you is i'd like to deeply start first what are your thoughts on this like becoming something of a third world means competitor to something like an ios versus android battle do you think that huawei has the capability to do so and another small question is you guys finish this first then i'll ask the second one sorry I mean, it's kind of complicated because if you think about it, uh, we've been for the past decade at least. There's no other software we use except iOS or Android, majorly on any smartphone. You are either an Android user or you are an iOS user. That's where you fall into. So I feel like um, if they do it properly, if there's proper support for the apps. if there is proper optimization of the os mainly the support for the apps truck everything else uh, and also yes the user interface and a lot more they might take time but they might get to a place where they can be called as a competitor among these you know other oss but for now just when they're going to start out or just release their first version i don't even think they can be considered as a competition to both of them because these two are phenomenally big uh operating systems and to any single company or anybody to make a proper operating system which should actually compete with these this will take a lot of time because these have been established already they've settled in their places they know what their roots are they're developing on it and same goes for both iOS and Android so if a new OS entirely comes into the play i think you need to do everything right you need to nail every single point of it and make people understand that you can shift to this and one of the main thing as i told you is the app interface uh sorry the app support i mean that and a lot more other internal stuff so only if they do that i think at least they have a hope to be there and apart from that if you think about it the microsoft enter into the smartphone world itself with their uh smartphone os was a clear example on how even if your new ui is intuitive and nice or which is actually good if you don't have app support or the basic stuff which everybody needs the ease of use and a lot of internal stuff which everybody would ask for even though you're not going to use it on a daily basis but it 
must be on your phone i think it's a clear example on how you actually uh, need to frame a new os and make sure that it's not really bad and that's how harmony os must move otherwise i don't think there's any point in creating an entirely new os which is not going to be depending on android so yeah, i think they need to put a lot of work into this to get at least to a point where they can be considered as an alternative to the current operating systems we are using i'm sorry if that yeah no no issues shreyas any thoughts on the same so yeah sudeep covered the most important point the app ecosystem has, has to be solid because uh, i feel like huawei has things right in a lot of ways in terms of hardware and software but if developers don't join uh, no company can make all the apps required by any user so the app ecosystem and the app store has to be spot on for people to want to migrate and i feel like huawei as of now is kind of concentrating on their um, local market because that's how they're still growing because huawei uh, like people being very patriotic there and huawei having a good reputation in china as a brand people are really buying and since they concentrated on chinese market because they don't depend on anything they do not uh, rely on the google play services at all they have their own app so they're doing well in china and even on a global scale because of the population of china uh, china they are still yeah. in the top 5 if i'm correct if not low, uh, higher i think so yeah so uh, that's what they're doing but the chinese market has kind of reached the point of saturation since 2017 so that's their challenge so just like other brands they have to go global to make bigger profits and to grow and us is just giving them every possible hurdle in the way so that's their main thing because yeah. they have tried uh, so if you guys don't know that tsmc is a company based out of taiwan who provides the silicon uh, processor chips and manufactures it for almost all possible companies intel amd qualcomm mediatek everyone almost so huawei also gets their kirin chips from there and now although taiwan is out of chinese territory uh, us is uh, pressurizing tsmc to not supply it so ultimately i feel even if harmony os becomes a success if they do not get a source for their chips if not in house like apple then it's going to be trouble but there is one silver lining i'm kind of hoping for which is huawei bringing everything in house like apple and controlling everything top down like apple and being a very good competitor because they definitely have the potential to do so so those are my thoughts yeah so moving on we are going to be talking about reliance and today's another i think that basically this week's most topics are being covered as today topics but reliance basically announced that they'll be launching their uh, cheap android smartphones in collaboration with google in late december so what are your thoughts on that because like do you think that reliance can disrupt the market in a way like how xiaomi disrupted the budget segment I'd like to ask to go first. I mean, I think he'd have more insight on this. Yep. Okay. So I'm not pretty sure about it, but uh, given the current tension internationally, I'm sure there will be a huge segment uh, of the population who will be like Aerid India product, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which will drive them towards that. And obviously, Reliance will be getting a good number of incentives having to manufacturing. employing people and you know keeping everything in house now i'm not sure what hardware and software they're going to be using so if it's android we saw a recent investment from google and let's see how it goes i'm sure this will actually work out in favor of reliance and kind of for the country as well but i'm not completely sure because i feel there are other motives behind it so i will comment on it afterwards Yeah, Sudeep, any thoughts? Because just as a refresher, I'd like to like you guys to know that there are reports that are suggesting that we saw the cheapest five uh, G phone recently in the form of the Realme V three, which is like around twelve k, and that features the Dimensity seven hundred chip. And there's reports that Geo will launch the first Dimensity seven hundred or seven thousand, whatever the naming scheme is, 
device in india like cheap 5g phone in india so do you think like maybe with some cheap 5g rates or like because we know 5g isn't like properly in india right it'll take a year or two but do you think that if reliance does launch 5g phones they'll sell like crazy mm. <laughs> i mean uh, as i told in the last thing it's currently a gimmick and i think even you made a video about but then on the other hand if reliance does do stuff to make sure that like we go to bring in some price range which is affordable yeah maybe that would be an extra factor for people to lean towards i mean first of all i don't think they have, uh, with life if you know that was a thing reliance did people don't have a good impression with the smartphones they bought out it was not really great it was pure android yet it's kind of sucked a lot with the internals and the kind of build they went for so i feel like um with the new smartphones they must change a lot like adapt to the recent times software and hardware internals and a lot more yeah. if they do that maybe yes on the 5g note i just think that would be an extra factor they can use to bring in thing that's it that's what i feel yeah basically i am a bit skeptical because if you guys remember reliance had that life series smartphones right like in late 2016 yeah yeah, yeah. and that was like just a pile of hot garbage so yeah, i'm skeptical but let's see because they now have the google backing and like cheap android devices like they're supposedly going to be like stock android so i'm hopeful if, this time if you have used a life smartphone i have so i know that we've used a life phone before like you told and you told they're going to have google's backing now in terms of software yeah. but if you if you use the life phone i have before and i've used the life 3 and 5 i think we had it in our household for some reason for our grandparents or something and it kind of sucked like these specs were fine for those times but still it kind of sucks it really did suck even though it was just stock android from google like really just stock android nothing no additions and even their uh, high uh, you know the high end phones also sucked so i don't think the google support in terms of software is going to cause a major difference they they need to make sure that everything is right it might help i mean there might be more you know uh, concentration from google towards reliance as a brand to make sure everything is fine but otherwise i don't think there's going to be a huge leap in terms of software support yeah moving on to one of the final topics what are the guys thoughts on the redmi band which is basically a rectangle mi band 4 for 1600 rupees hmm shares gravini uh i saw a couple of videos on it and i read about it as well uh first of all the touch screen is a problem i mean not great if not a problem second of all uh i know you don't get the charging dock but imagine chasing around for a usb port when you run out of charge although the battery life is pretty good yeah uh so that's about it the rest is obviously the software in it and how it interacts with your phone i'm not really a you know fitness tracker or smart band kind of a user i've only used smart watches so that's the only reason i don't go for smart band so i don't look into it like much <laughs> as well to be honest yeah okay So, so yes. any thoughts? Like um, for this is like basically, I want you guys to give thoughts for like someone who's like on a budget and wants to experience this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I ordered it today. It'll come like in one day. Oh. I, I might cover it. So that's that. Nice. I, I mean, it's budget, so why not? I just want to try it and make content on it, maybe. So I ordered it. It might come like one in one or two days. I mean, for the price, I can't really. Okay. plain man it brings you every single features which the mi band 4 has like literally exactly except the i think the water resistance and the battery might be a little bit low the you know the overall battery. water resistance is the same and the biggest improvement is because i have owned the mi band 4 and i hate it for this the charging cradle of the mi band 4 is so bad that you literally place it on the charging cradle and it will it's like basically suicide attempt type thing 
take even this I message and jump off. Even I have jump it. off. Yeah, even I have jump. It. Yeah, even I have it at home. So that's why I say because I know what features are there on the MI Band 4. And I looked at it and it's basically the same thing, except the fact that you don't have an OLED display, you, you just have an LCD yeah. display, just less watch. I think only like 50 to 60 watch faces, but for a budget consumer who just wants a fitness band, a color display features and a lot more, the faces won't really matter, I guess. So I really want to yeah. try it out. It seemed interesting. I saw everybody's reviews. So I just got it. Let's see how it goes. It's a good one. Will we see a comparison though? Yeah, I might do it in inside the video. I'm, I'm not sure if I'll make an entire video for it, but yeah, if I make a review of it, I think I'll be comparing it with the MI band for because it mostly has all the features which that has to so yeah okay moving on to the final topic which is this is basically oneplus territory again i don't know why we are more into oneplus in the podcast maybe maybe because i love oneplus for some reason but oneplus 80 has leaked and it's basically like the always incremental upgrade but the bigger news and the thing i want shares to talk about is the fact that the OnePlus 8T Pro isn't coming to means isn't gonna launch at all. All right, so uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not surprised because it kind of seems like a smart move. Because last time everybody said that there was no point of the 70 Pro, and I agreed to it. The only point of 70 Pro was probably to bring down the price of the 7 Pro because. I I see the plus variant Snapdragons to be an excuse just for the gaming phone launches now because they observed it in 2018 and 19, so they're trying it again. So I feel it's a good move, and also the if there are any significant changes, like we did not see any significant changes in the 70 Pro apart from a very small increase in battery, which hardly made a difference to the battery life. You had a change in the hardware in terms of just moving the laser autofocus to the side which looked ugly in my opinion a slightly different uh you know shade of blue to be honest and that was it i mean i didn't see anything new over there the bigger launch was actually the 70 and that was a hit like especially given the upgrade from the 7 it was a great hit and people are still buying it because mm -hmm. it offers great value and that makes pretty much good sense because I'm sure the 70 did not sell well. It only sold if people were ready to buy another smartphone and they were going for a OnePlus smartphone only. And yes, the 70 Pro was available at that point. Also, another reason I feel that is not launching is because the 70 Pro was kind of a reason to launch the McLaren edition as well. And since we know Yep, exactly. Rumors about that partnership ending because McLaren had removed their... Uh... No, the partnership ended. The partnership ended. All right, so it's official. So I feel like now they do not have that funding as well because I'm sure the McLaren partnership helped them in both branding as well as uh, some exchange in money because of which it was feasible for one yep. to produce those phones. True. <laughs> and... Do you have any thoughts, Shlok? Yep, I'm like, okay. Like, basically, the thing is, like, uh, in comparison to the 7 to the 70, I agree. Like, it was such a massive upgrade that it made a lot of sense. If you guys remember, like, Linus made a video on the 8, uh, sorry, the 7 Pro versus the 70, and he was like, why launch the 7 Pro initially and the 70 later? Because they were quite similar apart from the pop-up module. Because... In some markets, OnePlus did not launch the 7 initially and then they did not launch the 70 Pro. But yeah, basically I was coming to the fact that Shreyas just talked about the McLaren partnership was one of the ways they could do the special edition thing. And with that ending, I just didn't see any sense. Like because the 70 Pro and the 60 McLaren edition, the whole point of the T Pro thing was the McLaren edition flex, but that's gone now. Hmm. I mean, if I want to talk about it, I mean, yeah, like she has told a good move. You really don't need a day device anymore. And I think OnePlus has understood that at least this year. I mean, I don't really see where they can make an improvement or where they can change stuff up to bring a day module, which at least won't disappoint a lot of people. Because especially yeah. if you think about T devices, they 
disappoint a major amount of the audience because you know they are users who bought the 8 or the 8 pro or there's the other set mm-hmm. who are looking for the t especially because they know there's going to be a t for version of the phone coming out so like if they do that this year there's i feel like there wouldn't have been any major upgrades and doing that would have been just stupid and also yeah. all the facts that she has and also what you talked about they also make a lot of sense so if it doesn't come i think it's only bad better for one plus they can really just do good with the 8 and the 8 pro this year okay coming to our that thingy we do every week and that is the creator our favorite creators of the week sudeep do you have any favorite creators and just as a note to those unaware the favorite creators could be in the form of like podcast hosts or like create youtube creators or some writer or something like that yeah so i think in form of videos yes today shreya stopped a video so i i would wanted to say that you can you guys can go check that video out he puts a lot of yeah. work into his videos it's detailed and you know you, you can just get everything from his videos so go watch that other than that i think robin uploaded a video from you know andropunk yes the verge light review the intro was sick so i really loved that apart from that there were a lot of videos which came this week i can't particularly remember which were the best but these two are the recent ones and shlok also uploaded a video did you right yeah the 5g yeah the 5g one the 5g one was he really did good and he added a bit of humor in it you guys can go check it out shreesh also uploaded a video now these are all content creators who you might know if you're listening to this apart from these there is just the other content i watch i mean from various different people all of them were really nice and talking about writing i think i particularly liked an article which was written by pranav i guess yeah i'm not sure of his full name i know him from pranav. twitter yeah 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 him yeah. so i really like that and i started following recently so do check him out if you can yeah yep so those are the content creators i remember from who made good content this week which impressed me yeah so in terms of writers i really loved the recent works by prakhar khanna he is part of pocket now and he does a great job he's also kind of a friend means i'm not sure if he is okay with me calling him friend but yeah whatever i like his work apart from that i really liked uh, wait did i watch any videos like this is the thing like i have not watched any videos so let me think i'll get back to you guys uh, after shares suggest his recommendations but in terms of a podcast i forgot to mention last week which is this is one of my favorite podcasts of all time which is the untitled gadget podcast and it is hosted by three writers uh, dhruv botani and akshay bhala and uh, harish jonalagadda sorry harish if i messed up your name your name is a bit tough but they're all writers one of them is from mens xp one of them is from android authority and one of them is from android sentinel and they're basically like a chill down news of the week kind of podcast so you can check that out so yes do you have any content suggestions yeah so actually one of my f- most favorite creators are actually techaltar and i don't know how many people know about uh, him but he also has this weekly news podcast like not a podcast news video where he has three topics specifically and i feel his insights are really um, you know inspiring to me at least and that's how i want to make my videos as well at some point to be honest if the audience appreciates it that is so he's kind of my go to thing for every weeks like i will not miss his video and apart from that i like the review of michael fisher on the moto razer 5g that was a good video as well yeah. and uh, yeah honestly i read less because uh, i usually consume content while working so reading is something which will yes. need my direct attention so i tend to watch videos or listen to podcasts so right now i'm just watching videos to be honest to also improve my youtube <laughs> standards so coming to the final video that i was thinking about i was 
it was on the back of my head for a long time so you guys may be aware of this really cool creator as in he's cool in a different way he's quite funny he is shlok or tech burner and he recently uploaded like this is last week news but i still i want to highlight this he recently uploaded two videos based on the realme 7 and the realme 7 pro and rather than his insights on the phone i loved the intro where he's like doing the dubbing dance with his belt and stuff so yeah. the comic element stuff i loved it i mean to be honest tech burner is like more of a personality kind of person right now at least he's more into getting the subs and everything with this personality more than ever right now so i guess it's great he's doing good yep so with that i think we're at the end of the podcast hope thanks for guys uh, thank you guys if you listen to the end and again shreyas and sudeep's channel links will be in the uh, show notes followed by all the creators of the week that we liked do check them out and for the next week i'm planning of doing like um tiny sort of like we'll take some topics from you guys as well so do drop some topics if you want at the official handle of the podcast which is the uh, i forgot bts pod at the red bts pod so you can check that out i'll link it in my twitter handle as well and i'll give all the guys's twitter handles as well because shreyas does a lot of tech related talks and pc build related talks on twitter so you can check that out thanks for joining guys thanks for joining everybody thank you for this thing guys yeah